Hello, welcome to Why Not Me. In life, we face many trials and obstacles, many challenges, and in the thick of it, we can be tempted to think, why me? But every obstacle presents an opportunity and every trial can bring triumph. So I want to encourage you to adapt a mindset of, why not me? When, when in the middle of it, when things are tough, look around and think, why not me? It's, it's happening for a purpose. And then when success is at your doorstep and all you have to do is open it, you may find yourself hesitating, questioning, is this for me? Do I deserve this? And I want to encourage you to adapt a mindset of why not me? Throw the door open wide, shout to the world, why not me? Embrace your success. I'm your coach, Todd Halls. I'm grateful to have you on this journey. Welcome to Why Not Me. Hello, hello. Welcome to Why Not Me, turning trials into triumphs, seeking and embracing success. I'm your host, Coach Todd Halls. Grateful, as always, to be here with you today. And listeners, thank you. Grateful that you are giving of yourself and tuning in today. Thank you for being here. I'm excited for our guest. Uh, this woman has an incredible heart. Today, I'd like to introduce you. It's my pleasure to introduce to you Lisa Murphy. Lisa is a wife, uh, a mom. She's a nonprofit founder, a ministry leader, and so much more that I can't wait to find out about. With that, welcome, Lisa, to the show. Well, thank you so much. I am like really grateful too, just to be here. So thanks. Awesome. So how did how did we get here? Just start at the beginning and, and start at tell the beginning. us. Yeah, I love I love the beginning because the why it's really the why behind our whole. Um, nonprofit organization, and that is adoption. And um, adoption is how my husband and I, um, how God called us to grow our family. Um, We have adopted five beautiful children from China. God called us across oceans. Um, And so that is when the story just began to be written. Um, We brought home our first beautiful daughter in 2006. Funny though, at that time, we also converted to Catholicism because we were not Catholic. So in the process, we converted, became Catholic. Um, Then we met our daughter in 2006. She's now 18 years old, getting ready to head off to college um, next year. And our second child, we decided after a couple years, let's let's have another, let's have a sibling for her. Um, and we were matched with a beautiful little boy in China. Um, Daniel had a broken heart. He had four major heart defects. And we just thought that we were going to bring Daniel home and have surgery and live happily ever after. Um, we got him home in January of 2010 and he was just an amazing kid, such a sweet kid. Um, and then, but we knew we had to get his, you know, we had to address his heart. And so we took him in May of that year, 2010, and Daniel came out of his heart surgery, um, very strong, but the next day he went into cardiac arrest and, Hmm. The two words that changed everything. Um, it was just this 19-day roller coaster of just ups and downs, and you know, 
he bounced back and then an organ failure. And it, but you know, the crazy thing was we just felt God's presence throughout everything. We just did. Um, and Daniel passed away. Um, mm-hmm. but he passed away on Trinity Sunday, which, you know, what a beautiful day to go to heaven. Um, so that was just gave us this, you know, of course it was the most painful thing we'd ever experienced, but, um, that gave us some hope, you know, and it, because it really felt like, how could this happen? Like we just had gone through, you know, mountains of paperwork and, um, the process is so costly and just everything about it. It was kind of like, how, why did that happen? You know? But at the end of the day, um, Daniel didn't die alone. He didn't die as an orphan. He was loved yeah. and he cherished and had a community that loved him and had followed his journey home. I'm, you know, I know that he brought people to our Lord. So how cool is that? He was baptized. Um, yeah. So he was just a, a beautiful just a beautiful gift. I mean, his life and our family was a gift. That's an amazing story. Well, of course, I don't know. I'm sorry for your loss. I can't imagine what what it was like. Um, I I sit here in admiration of your uh, perspective and courage. Um, just that you 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 know, and and well, and that you recognized God in it and you felt His presence. Yeah. Uh, Cause, yeah, because it could be easy to not do that, to put up, you know, to just be angry. And right. it's, it's, yeah, it's all we have, isn't it? I mean, when something so crazy like that happens, it's like, it, it has to be God. There has to be goodness in it. There just has to be. Um, I don't know. So that's that's what we went on. I love what you said, um, that you recognize that he didn't die alone. Had you yeah. not like had had you not taken part in this and felt your pain, he would have never experienced the love that he did during that time. Perhaps not. He he might have you know he may have he probably would have died you know in that orphanage you know. Um, so that was a blessing, and and almost immediately we felt God saying two things. Um, one was to share his story. And I started writing a book about Daniel and his life and our family. And this is that culminated in this book with an open heart. And um, I just knew that, you know, I, I had to get every scrap of detail out of this head and onto paper. Like I needed to remember everything that happened that had transpired. And I really felt like the Holy Spirit co-authored that book Um Truly, like I would wake up just with, you know, things to write down. And um, it was a beautiful, a very cathartic process to, you know, put all put all those memories to paper. So I love this book. Um, the other thing God said was go back. And it seemed crazy because I know even family was like, wait, what? You just lost a child. Why would you want to go back? Um but you know what? It wasn't about replacing Daniel. It was about the fact that there were millions more children who needed families. And we believed that God would want that for our family. And we believed that Daniel would want that for our family. Mm. So 
we started that process again um, and we were matched rather quickly to our son, Charlie. Uh, we said yes to him a matter of like six months after Daniel had passed away. Um, and it was interesting because our daughter Maddie was four years old at the time. And, you, you know, I talk about our story. I don't, you know, I kind of forget sometimes to think about what that loss was like for a little four-year-old girl hmm. um, who was having trouble processing, you know, what, what that she was never going to see him again, you know? And so when she was in her room playing and I had said, you know, Maddie, do you ever think you'd want another baby, you know, another baby? And she was real quiet. She was playing in her room and all of a sudden she turns around and she just looks at me and says, I want to go to China this time. <laughs> and I was like, okay, okay. Um, so it was beautiful because Maddie got to go to China um, and she got to, you know, be part of that process to bring her brother Charlie home. So it was kind of beautifully redemptive, you know, to um, kind of retrace those steps, but to do it with, you know, with Maddie present at, um, through that process of bringing Charlie home. And then, wow. yeah. And then God led us back. I, you know, I feel like every adoption has this like, amazing story um our joseph we were at mass on the feast of the holy family that was 2012 um and honestly i just felt the lord saying and like listening to this homily and i'm thinking there's more children it's time and i just felt that nudge and i said jimmy um it's time we're, we're supposed to go back and of course my husband's like no <laughs> Just kidding. I mean, he he always eventually embraced it. Um, and so we pursued a process, ended up being matched with our son, Joseph, who was named appropriately on the feast day of St. Joseph, which was the very day that we said yes to his file. So that was amazing. We get him home and then... Um, the pastor at St. Vincent's calls us in the fall and says, I'd like to baptize Joseph. Could we baptize him at the feast of the Holy Family? And I was like mind blown because he had no idea that the Lord had planted the seed for that child on the feast of the Holy Family. That's, so that's here, incredible. Yeah. So here, two years later, full circle. Seed planted, child being baptized at that at that very mass. It was, wow. yeah. Um, and then comes our little caboose. You know, it was funny. We just we our hearts were full, but I kept looking in the rearview mirror and thinking, "There's one seat left in that minivan." And <laughs> we went to Legoland, and I'm thinking, "There's one kid short on the ride," and so. Um, I had it in my heart just thinking we're going to, I just felt like there was another little girl who needed to come home. Um, and so I presented that, you know, thought to Jimmy. I actually, Lulu, we found she was a, a, a chosen child. Her file was being, um, she was being advocated for because uh, she needed a family. She was almost six years old. Forgot to mention that our son Joey was almost six years old as well. And so um, 
we saw her first before, like, we didn't wait to be matched. We saw her and then pursued her adoption. Okay. And um, it was an interesting process. It was pretty much the same. Um, that process took about a year, and there we were back on an airplane going to bring home Lulu. Um, Lulu's needs were very different. The fact that she was almost six, had cerebral palsy, um, would end up having epilepsy from seizures when we brought her home. Um, but then when we brought Lulu home, amazing kid, but then we just knew, okay, we have been building this family for 10 years. That's it. We're complete. Let's just be a family. Um, only one problem with that, which was I knew, I knew the orphan crisis. Mm. Like I, I could not just, you know, they say like, once your eyes have been opened, you cannot pretend that you don't know, or you don't know, you know, that you can help, you know? So that's when, um, Open Hearts for Orphans was born. And we kind of shifted, um, shifted into that. And, um, I can talk about that more, but, you know, adoption processes like the ones we went through are costly. They're, you know, they can be $35,000 or more. Um, and who's got that kind of money laying around, right? Uh, so yeah, there's a lot of fundraising to be done. There's grants to apply for. We got, a zero interest loan helped us get on the airplane to go get Lulu. And, um, yeah, so it's quite a process. That's incredible. So after the death of Daniel, Daniel yeah, um, and you felt God saying, go back. Mm -hmm. I would imagine there would be some internal pushback. And so just how did you, how did you navigate that? How, you know, as a couple, as, as individuals? Yeah. Oh, um, it was hard. It was hard, but it wasn't. I feel like, um, you know, the only thing that can fill the hole of grief is God. It is a God-sized hole, you know? And mm -hmm. I just, felt like God was calling us, inviting us to fill that hole with something beautiful and joyful and, and, and just worthy. And I feel, I, I know now, and I felt, I, I believed it at the time, like him inviting us to do that. And it's exactly what it did. It, it would not replace Daniel, but it would, you know, God, that hole was, you know, so big, um, how do you feel, you know, and, and God is the, the one who can fill that hole. And so he told us how, and, um, so it's this, you know, this balancing act of grief, you know, and gratitude, like, and slowly over the years, like when that happened, you know, grief was up here and gratitude, well, gratitude was close, but it, it was the shifting. And through the years, gratitude has been way up here and grief just keeps, you know, moving down. <laughs> We're just grateful, you know, just grateful that, gosh, that, that we got to be his parents, you know, 
that we were the ones who were chosen for that gift, for that precious gift from God, you know? He chose us. Yeah. Um, Yeah. For all these kids, you know? I mean, an adoption is so, it's hard. It's born from loss. I mean, these kids have experienced the greatest loss of all, you know? Um, And so there's no understanding that why. There's just gratitude that, you know, God put us in this position to be the ones who get to raise them. Yeah, it's 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 really cool. You you remind me of of a thought I've had. How maybe not remind me the right word, but you mentioned over the years how how gratitude continues to to increase and the and the grief decrease. And I think as we mature, even even if we've been believers for a long time, there's still a growing and a maturing process that never ends. And I think the longer we walk with the Lord we just recognize him in everything. And so I think it's no matter the circumstance in the past, I think as we grow and he does his work in and through us, that gratitude naturally rises and becomes, there's just a bigger gap between that and anything else, right? There's no, like grief won't catch up or at least it, it maybe, maybe it'll have little spurts where it, rises you know as life happens and we lose loved ones or experience loss Um, but ultimately um he he loves us enough that the gratitude just continues to grow that's been my experience and it's grace right like it's god in us you know it's that it's Mm. grace yeah and the more we i feel like it's all like connected and the the more we can seek out and just be grateful it's like he fills us with that grace and I don't know. Well, I think it's it's amazing that the level of vision he gave he's given you because first he gave you this vision to be a mom, and so sent you sent you overseas, and you became a mom, and then did it again and again and again, and then he gave you an even bigger vision. Said, "Look, you're doing great at this. Let's let's go have a greater impact." So, with that, tell us more about Open Hearts for Orphans, if you will. Yeah. So. We focus on um, three different things. The first is medical intervention. Um, So our mission is providing resources for orphaned and abandoned children around the world through medical intervention, meeting basic needs, and providing Say Yes adoption grants. So the medical intervention, we always felt like, you know, if Daniel had a heart surgery when he was a baby, I mean, he was two by the time we got to him. Might his story have changed? Might he have survived? Who knows? Mm. So it became kind of like this um, mission of, well, let's stand in the gap for kids who don't have families, who need heart surgeries, or who need any medical interventions. So we've been able to fund like all kinds of different things, um, from cleft surgeries to um, you know different heart surgeries. We've been able to, we did dental camps and provided dental treatment for a not necessarily orphaned, but abandoned and very vulnerable at-risk populations in Uganda. Um, medical supplies and equipment. We did a project where, you know, the little pulse oximeters, the clip on your finger um, to read your, you know, your blood oxygen levels. They don't have those in orphanages to medical to 
monitor their medically fragile kiddos. So we um, had a campaign and we sent hundreds of those over to different orphanages in different countries. Um, I love one of my favorite projects was two years ago, we were able to fund an echocardiogram machine, which is a huge piece of equipment um, to the first female cardiologist in Uganda. Like the first female in 2019, the first female cardiologist in Uganda. And, um, you know, that piece of equipment came with a promise that she will make sure to take care of the vulnerable children too, Mm. you know, not to forget about them. Um, So all sorts of wherever God call, I, we always say, Lord, just bring us the projects, like show us those needs. You know, and then we turn around, okay, show us the funding. We need the money. Um, his provision's incredible. It's mind-boggling. And so um, I love the medical intervention. Basic needs kind of blew up during COVID. We That's when we started kind of partnering with um, Uganda. And our partners were finding these, you know, we think about how we were in COVID, right? We were like, oh, we're stuck in our homes and you were, you know, we felt very vulnerable, right? Well, then there's, they're finding families that just, you know, were on the brink of death, you know, from malnutrition. And it was easy to say, yes, like we will stand in the gap for these people and provide food and provide um, whatever they needed, clothing. We currently um, provide tuition support for over 100 vulnerable children every mm-hmm. month in Uganda for them to get an education. Cause we know that's the difference. Like they come from these, if they're from these very poor families and they couldn't afford to go to school, that's, what's going to change um, their future, you know, sure. and their family. Um, another thing we got into was funding home bills, you know, for like $8,000. We can, our partners can build a brick three roomed home, fully furnished, with a water tank so they can have clean water to wash with or whatever they need to do with solar lighting. Think about that. So they can actually see at night um, with a latrine. These people are going to the bathroom in a hole in the dirt and they dig this hole. It is unsafe. Children, you know, if they go out in the night, they could fall into the hole and die. like, it's not good. It's not sanitary. It's not safe. So, our partners build like what would look like a, a, you know, a big brick structure that actually has two doored rooms that they can go in and it's still a hole in the ground. Right. But at least it's safe and it's more sanitary um, and a kitchen so that they have a place to put all their food. Some of these people are like cooking, building a fire right in the middle of their little house, you know, mm. which is obviously a hazard. So that's included. I mean, to me, I think what $8,000 can do here in our country, and I think like what happens over there and, you know, for that $8,000, what that can do. And that's for a family that's probably like a a mom who's been, you know, abandoned or or, or her husband has passed away. And she's almost rendered as helpless as those children because of the culture and and so, you know, they, there's usually like five or six kids involved and 
they're just desperate. And so we like to also give them, if possible, some um, crops on their land so they can grow some food mm-hmm. and maybe they can sell some of that food and, um, and kind of help, you know, provide for the family. And so that's been a real blessing. I think what I love the most is, you know, we will never meet these people. But what God does through those projects, I, I hear it all the time. Like our partners will say, you know, this person, all they can say is they can't believe that strangers would do this for them and that they are praying for everyone involved. So I just feel like it's this, what a beautiful cycle. Like, so we're giving them, they're so rich in spirit, but they don't have the basic material things that we take for granted. So we provide those material things. And then we, in return, I mean, we don't want anything in return, but now, you know, our donor base and and everybody involved has all these people praying for us. and, And it's just, it's like this beautiful cycle, you know? And, um, and they, they truly say it's like a miracle for them. Like they never expected it. They, they didn't even know what it was like to have these things, you know? And it's just, it's beautiful. It's pretty amazing. And you, you, it's incredible, relatively speaking, how little it takes here in the U.S. to have such a tremendous impact. Right. Elsewhere. Yeah. It's, it's mind boggling. Um, so that's been fun to provide, you know, the, Oh, I forgot to mention, like, these are people who've, you know, kids, let's say like teenagers who've never slept on a bed in their life. Like Hmm. they've been on the ground their entire lives. You know, we don't think about like, um, and I know we have poverty here too. I'm not, I don't want to make it sound like I have low heart for our domestic needs because of course I do. Um, but what God is bringing has been bringing project wise to us are these really desperate, you know, um, cases of even like abandoned babies on the side of the road who, um, have to be hospitalized because they're malnourished and will provide emergency formula and provide, um, for emergency foster care. Like those are some other basic needs type situations. And then, um, the last thing that we do that's really, you know, at the core of my heart is adoption grants. Because like I said, my husband and I, we know the financial barriers like firsthand. Like you say, yes, God, God, you know, calls you. Um, we got to equip the call, you know? Yeah. And so <laughs> the say yes grant helps equip the call. And it's, um, God is like, oh, I'm so excited because we're going to be able to double our grants next year. So they started years ago. This We started in 2017, became an official nonprofit. Our grants then were like $500. Then we were able to bring them to 1000 For the last two years, they've been 2000 And next year, we're going to be able to double that to 4000 And I hope they just keep growing. Um, and that depends. You know, that depends on how people lock arms with us and say, yes, we want to help get these kids home. And I hope you follow our social media because it's just, it is miraculous. Um, the families that, that say yes for the most beautiful, I love this one. Um, we've been sharing 
It's a little girl named Amelia Hope. And Amelia Hope um, was born in Bulgaria. Uh, she has Down syndrome. And last year, at this time, she was five years old. And she weighed 13 pounds. Yeah. Wow. She was too fed. She was unable to eat by mouth. Um, when when they found out that a family said yes to adopt her, they started upping her feeds. And by the time the family got to her in May, um, she had, it was 20 pounds. So she just turned six this week. She's been home for six months. And let me tell you, she has gained 14 pounds. She has grown three and a half inches. Her list of firsts in her life at six years old in the past six months have included crawling, sitting up, standing, taking her first steps, eating by mouth, having a dog, playing in leaves. She went camping. She got to go in a swimming pool. She has this huge extended family that dotes on her. She loves her sisters. She loves taking a bath. And she loves Lauren Daigle, which is hilarious to me. Um, she, like her mom says, she is just this unbelievable source of joy to the world. And she hugs you like tight, like knows how to hug. And they just adore this child unconditionally. And so to be able to wrap around that, like, what a, what a privilege, you know, what a privilege. Um, we also have this grant called, uh, the one by one medical advocacy grant. And so in a case like that, like, think about it for parents to go say, yes, we'll go adopt that child, but that child has, you know, some needs, some like yeah. significant needs. Yeah. So our, that grant provides for a nurse to travel with the family. Um, so oh. that's something else that we're doing because we re recognize like some of these kids, we, there's so many cases I could talk all day. Um, but there's one, there was a little girl who was 16 years old. I wish I could show you her video right now. And I got to meet her. Like, I felt like I met a rock star. This child survived 16 years in a Ukrainian orphanage oh. in a crib. She never saw the light of day outside that orphanage in a crib for 16 years. Her legs are fused like a frog's legs, fused. She is right now at the hospital in West Palm Beach, and she has had two surgeries in the past two weeks so that they can try to unfree, to free her twisted limbs. It may never happen, but I can't believe I got to go and hug this girl. Like, what a warrior. And her family, they just love her. I'm going to see if I can pull up a picture. Yes. <laughs> got it. <laughs> I'm going to try to look. And I took her. You know what I love? So this is one of Daniel's favorite toys was this little light up seahorse. We called him Glowy. So I brought Millie her own seahorse, but it's pink. That's Millie. Oh, She's man. now like, it's 20 now. Um, it's hard to see, you know, you can't see her, her condition here, but what a beautiful child. And her family's amazing. So they flew in like from Idaho 
to do the surgery for her. Um, so these people that are, they're taking on like big things. And you know what, Todd, not everybody's called to adopt. Not everybody's called to adopt. Uh, not everybody's called to foster care, you know, but this is a way we can wrap around those families. Like, you know, they're willing to do it, but they need things. They need the resources. They need the help. So that's our job. We're just going to continue, you know, standing yeah. in the gap for them and wrapping around them as best we can. Yeah. That's, that is amazing. Um, and two, yeah. Two beautiful examples or stories. Just you, it's, yeah. it's hard just to wrap Hard to wrap your mind around the conditions that they were living in, like it. So, and that it is. It's like uh, that happened during COVID, and everybody was complaining about being, you know, stuck in their house. You know, and I'm showing pictures of kids who've been stuck in cribs for their entire lives. Like, it's just so crazy. Um, anyway, mm -hmm. we've given uh, the happy, beautiful thing is we've now given. 120 of our grants to families across 34 states impacting children from 21 countries and all children with special needs, like all kinds of different needs. And we just want that to keep, you know, we just want to keep that going and growing. That is amazing. And you, yeah, truly amazing. And you said something earlier about um, we need to equip the called. Which reminds me, because I just shared, just reminded a friend of that of mine that last week. Uh, he was saying something about, I don't know if I'm ready. I don't know if I'm equipped for this. And I just remind him, right? God doesn't call the equipped; He equips the called. And so, and that's why you exist. Your your organization is ultimately there, well, to to obviously to to stand in the gap for the for the orphans, but also then to equip and enable these folks that feel um, God yeah. moving them to adopt. It's truly Absolutely. a blessing. Yeah. And again, just a huge privilege to walk with these families, you know, yeah. um, you know, locally, we've really felt pulled locally, like in domestically, like, okay, Lord, like what is our role here in this country? Like, how can we help? What is our part? Um, so we have a program called Arise, which is adoption resources, information, stories, and encouragement. And we really want to grow that piece, which is, um, you know, there's a there's a, a number, a great number of people who say, oh, I've always been interested in adoption. But the question is, how many people actually follow through? And why is that? And, you know, partially, I think it's because it's so confusing. Um, there's so many different paths. And so I felt like my husband, Jim and I, um, that was how it was for us. Like it was overwhelming and, and it was surely this process of, uh, you know, finding that path. And so we, our desire is simply that, like to be kind of in an advocate capacity to guide families and help them discern that path, you know, and then as we're discerning that, help provide those resources to them um, to be able to, you know, equip them and then wrap around them, you know, um, like our, even our grant families to provide resources for wrapping around them. Because, you know, you get home from an adoption, I'll tell you what, 
that's when the real work begins. Like you, you work so hard to get that child home and guess what? That's when the real work begins, you know? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So we just want to round thing. Yeah. So you and and Jim have been married for over 30 years, correct? Do I have that right? Yeah, 31 years. So when, like over the years, has it been, has it been typically you kind of that, that get these visions and like, Hey, we should, I feel God doing this. And then, and then Jim's like, that's a great idea. Absolutely. We should do it. Or, or is there a little more negotiation that happens? Oh, I have a lot to say about this. 100% led by, you know, there's this great article a guy wrote. I'd love to, I'll send it to you. I think it's so cool. It's called um, God Calls the Women. And it's the whole, it's this whole thing about how like the Lord called Mary. The Lord called Mary. Didn't call Joseph, right? Yep. And so it's this whole thing about how primarily he calls the women. And so Jimmy honestly will say, I said no four times. Like, so it was like the, the, I had the vision brought it to him and, you know, browbeat him until he said, yes. So just kidding. He, he had it in him. He just needed, you know, it's scary for a guy. Like he's the breadwinner. Like I'm the one staying home with the kids. And you know what I mean? Like at that time it was, I'm sure it was, there's a lot of fear in that, like for a man, like, oh, I've got to take care of those kids. I think it just rears this whole, like, are, am I adequate? Am I, do we have enough? Like we're already struggling financially. So now it's going to be worse. And there's, there's a lot of fears. And I think the men as the, you know, the heads of the household, they're the ones. So great for me to get all these great ideas, but that's, you know, so there's a lot of faith. That the that the men have to you know that the men sign on to, um, to move forward. I mean, I guess it's like you know ha- having biological children, probably the same. You know. Yeah. That's so th- yeah. Thanks for sharing that. Yeah. Because hmm. I talked to yeah, it probably just amplifies those feelings or of am I doing this right? Am I, am I providing enough? Am I good enough? How will I, you know, how am I doing as a dad? Like in your case, how am I doing as a dad? And what's that going to do if we add, when we add? And yeah, I suppose it will be the same bio, you know, for biological children as yeah. well. Yeah, interesting. And I should, this is a great story because I have to add this about Jimmy. However, that said, all of that said, um, when God called us to adoption, he was the one who knew exactly what what the plan should be. And I say that because I brought home this. It was actually my doctor who said, you know, do you want to be parents? I'm like, I don't know. And she's like, um, I'll be right back. She comes in with a packet from an adoption agency. And we, she said, take that home, take a look. And so we looked at the packet. And, you know, over and over again, but Jimmy, look, he said, I want to adopt a little girl from China. And I'm like, okay, Mm -hmm. you know, why? He remembered, I think this is such a mind blowing God seed. Um, He remembered as a 14 year old boy in high school in Clawson, Michigan, he remembered learning about the dying room. 
was in China, mm. where all these little girls were um, just stuck in rooms. They were overpopulated. They stuck them in rooms and they cried until they died. And the world responded to this, but he remembered that. And I was so impressed, like that, you know, 30 something years later, he remembers this. And that was God, you know, all the way. And so when he said that, I'm like, yeah, let's go. Um, and so that's why China. That's, that's awesome. And, what, yeah. and, and you, you hit on it. What occurs to me is, you know, God gave you both pieces of the vision, like right. gave you the, your portion, but then he also uh, said, Jim, here's what I need you yeah. to bring to it. And, and that's just what an incredible gift and partnership and blessing you two uh, are. To, to those kids, to the world. So well, thank you. If you saw us on the daily, you might not say that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So there's a, I think it's Ortberg who wrote, maybe it's not, but have you read the book, Everybody's Normal Till You Get to Know Them? No, but that's about <laughs> accurate. Yeah, right, right. Like if you think we're normal, just come hang out and just silently watch <laughs> us for a day. You'll leave shaking your head. <laughs> and when people say, oh, you're a saint, I'm like, oh boy. If you only knew. <laughs> If you only do, Lisa, this has been amazing. We're all trying. That's right. What's that? We're all trying to, we're all saints in the making. We're all saints in the making. Yeah. Well, we're, we were all created as saints and then we, yeah, then the world gets in the way and we just got to work back towards it. So, so this has been awesome. Thank you. Um, if you would um, tell us the name of your book again. Yes. The book is called with an open heart. And that's a um, true story of love, loss, and unexpected blessings. You can get this on Amazon. And um, all royalties go to Open Arts for Orphans. Awesome. And I hope people, it's, I think it's, a, well, of course, I think it's a beautiful book. This is my baby. It's my baby right here. I, I'm sure it is. And I can't wait to check it out. For folks that want to get involved, learn more about you, connect with you, uh, Open Hearts for Orphans, Arise, what's the best, what are the best avenues for them to do so? Um, yeah, the the website is always good. I would love for people to join our list. Like I, on our website, I think you can sign up. Well, I know you can sign up. Hopefully it's working. You can sign up for our emails. And every month I like to send out is called Heartbeats. And it's just like great. I, I just feel like, don't we all need good news in this crazy world? So once a month, it's like, something good that's happening from each area of our work. So people can actually see these beautiful things happening, um, which I think that's, and I love doing it. I love writing those. Social media, we do a lot on social media. So if you're a Facebook person or an Instagram person, um, please, you won't be sorry following us because I do believe same thing. We love sharing like, you know, just good stuff. I think it makes people think. I think it opens hearts. I think it opens eyes. And yeah, it's all good. Cool. So so the website is uh, Open Hearts for, but spelled out, right? F -O -R. Open Hearts for Orphans dot org. Dot org. Okay. Uh, and, yes. And then up. Facebook and Insta, just search Open Hearts for Orphans and, and you'll populate. Yeah. That's the, I think the only difference is on Instagram, it's Open Hearts for Orphans org. And Facebook's regular open hearts for orphans. They'll find us. Awesome. Yes, yes. Cool. Lisa, if before before I turn to this, if you would share with our listeners one important or impactful question that we should be asking ourselves, what would it be? 
Wow. Okay. Um, one. One. <laughs> yep. One. Oh, okay. Where do I go with that one? How can I say yes today? How can I say yes and hmm. open my heart to the needs of vulnerable children, whether it be here or there? How can you say yes? Um, that would be my question. That's an amazing question. Thank you so much. Thanks for being here, Lisa. Really appreciate it. Appreciate everything you're doing. Thanks for having me. Been a pleasure. Thank you. God bless. Thank you. Listeners, you. listeners, thank you for being here. As always, I'm so grateful that you tune in and spend some time with us. Remember, whatever grand vision you've been given, whatever dream God has put on your heart, you can. Until next time, be bold, be humble, stay healthy, stay hopeful, and live life strong. Peace, everyone. Well, thank you so much for listening. For even more on turning trials into triumphs and seeking and embracing success, go to toddhalls.life. That's toddhalls.life. And I look forward to serving you. Until next time, be strong, be bold, be humble, stay healthy, stay hopeful. Peace to you.